Hello, and welcome to another episode of Unlikely Adventures. I am one of your hosts, Macy Larson, and uh, today Becca's not joining us, so I had to get an amazing replacement. So today, joining me for Unlikely Adventures is the man, the myth, the legend, Travis Roby. Finally starting my hostile takeover of your <laughs> podcast. It's about damn time, yeah, it's, honestly. Uh, I believe the technical word is I'm, I'm, we're having a coup. Yeah. Um, I am usurping Becca for ultimate supremacy of controlling the podcast, but mm-hmm. my, my final end goal is I gotta know why she knows who Finn Balor is, because yeah. I still, like, wrestling's kind of, it's an obscure fandom. It's a pretty obscure fandom. Um, but I know one of the things that we wanted to talk about was... Uh, first, let's let's start strong. Let's okay. start strong with anime or wrestling. Oh boy, uh, we're getting I, right into it here. I tested these on my older brother last night. Uh, he hates me, so I think good. they're good. Okay. Um, he'll be fine with me by the time he gets home from work today. It's whatever. That's good. So the theme of this one is supporting characters. Okay. These are not main characters, but they often serve to make the main characters better in a way. So for number one. So this character, more of a side character, this person does not actually fight, but often watches their spouse take part in battle from the sidelines. Other characters constantly ask them why their spouse is the way that they are, and they do not have an answer. I think that one's anime. Renee Young is currently working under the raw brand as one of the first full-time female commentators. She's currently... Damn it. <laughs> she is currently she is currently married to Dean Ambrose, the lunatic friend, who recently requested his release from the company to take time off. Fuck. We're off to a bad start. We're off into a very consistent start yes. considering all these it's, <laughs> So I, I told one I told my older brother this the other day, is like after showing presenting him all of these ideas, he's like, How do you think Macy's gonna do? And I'm like, real according to probability, she's gotta get at least half of them, but she's Macy, so she's gonna get maybe one. Maybe one out of five. Maybe one. Maybe one out of five. Yeah. So, next up. This character has an extremely particular preference for upper body wear. They are tremendously strong and thus have inspired many to follow suit with a similar fashion sense. Oh no. I know. Oh no! This is so anime and so wrestling. It's at the so same time. both of them at the same time. If this were an anime about wrestling, those exist. I know. <laughs> They're fantastic. Um, I feel like I have to go with wrestling on this one. Tank Top Master is an S-class hero and the leading figure of the Fuck! Tank Topper Army in One Punch Man. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> He leads other tank top aficionados such as Vegetarian, Black Hole, Tiger, Rockabilly, Jungle, Al Dente, Racer, Girl, Hatter, Swimmer, and Mask. (laughs) Okay, yeah, sure, alright. Very very well built so far. So far, you're 0 for 2. Doing so good so So, far. This character is the leader of a group of relatively inexperienced fighters. They basically serve a purpose to make the more important characters look tougher. This one in particular makes a very short appearance before leaving the show along with two others. Fucking a show? Man. Uh, uh, anime. Warrior is a minor character who dies immediately in Goblin Slayer before the titular character arrives to save Priestess. He dies alongside Fighter and Wizard. Yeah! Side note, Goblin Slayer, I just finished watching it like two days ago. It's one of the most, it's one of the most D&D animes out there. Everyone is just, no one has a name. Everyone is just their character class. (laughs) So, like, warrior, fighter, and wizard start adventuring. They pick up priestess along the way. They go to a goblin cave. And, like, almost all of them immediately are, like, died or psychologically damaged horribly. Um, with the exception of Priestess, who managed to live just long enough for Goblin Slayer to show up. And there's other great characters, such as Spear Fighter, and <laughs> Big Sword Fighter, and Paladin. <laughs> Where do you find the show? It's on uh, It's on Crunchyroll. Sweet. I think it's, um, there's also probably an English dub out there somewhere, probably on Funimation. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> but it's great. Uh, side note. Not for kids. Oh. Not at all for kids. This like, is one of those things that... Like, gory or not safe for work? Uh, both. Oh. Probably. Okay. Yeah, so, 
<laughs> Moving on. This character has no chin and two hands. People loved him for some reason. As a result, he ended up being on the show for way longer than anybody expected. For n- he has no chin and two hands? No chin and two hands. He has, he as in he has no chin, but he does have two hands. These Wait, are... does he have, does he have hands where his chin should be? No. Okay, okay. I mean, obviously, if he has hands where his chin would be, that'd be very hard to pull off in yes. a wrestling environment. So, in order for it to be possible for him to be yep. either or, <laughs> I did not find a hand-chinned Don't fellow. be ableist. <laughs> yeah, don't be ableist. It's not fair. Uh, wrestling. Any man with two hands has a fighting chance. James Ellsworth initially made appearances as a jobber to yeah. Braun Strowman. People liked him for some weird-ass reason, and he even owns two victories over AJ Styles, largely thanks to the help of Dean Ambrose, who we mentioned earlier. He later hung out with Carmella for entirely too long before being released. He is currently under investigation for sending some dirty shit on Snapchat to a minor. God damn it, Snapchat, honestly. I know. But, well, I'm not- I was- I was initially a big fan of Ellsworth, and then- he did the thing with Carmella. This is very wrestle talk. Yeah. But he did. Then he started doing stuff with Carmella, and I was like, I feel like this guy's probably going to be a creep. And I was sort of right. So moving on. <laughs> so here's number five. We're off to a fantastic start. Yeah. I think you are. You are two for four. Two for, so yeah, you half. are performing okay. well above expectations. Yes. Thank God. So this is the the last character I have. So. This character works a humble job as a general manager, but moonlights as the wielder of Occam's razor. They have also pissed themselves when facing a giant. Anime. Drake Maverick, formerly known as Rockstar Spud, is the current general manager of 205 Live, a WWE show featuring smaller, more athletic wrestlers. (laughs) He also manages the tag team Authors of Pain, composed of two wrestlers named Akam and Razar. Fuck! He also pissed himself in front of the big show once. That is amazing. I know. So. Two for five. Well above expectation. <laughs> so. <laughs> Thanks for what the are the other confidence. Th- so I figured it would also be good to note mm-hmm. um, why what I think makes wrestling and anime related to D&D. One of the things with a lot of people, um, a lot of GMs do, is you have to steal from a lot of different sources. Mm-hmm. Like. I think it's okay if you're a first-time player, just think about whatever your favorite TV show is and whatever your favorite character in that is and try to make that into a D&D character. That's fine. Yeah. If you're a big fan of that character, that's okay. And similarly, I will rip plots wholesale off of wrestling or anime because that happens to be what I watch. Yeah. I imagine if someone tried to rip plots wholesale out of the Avengers movies, which I don't watch, um, big controversy there for oh, some geez. people. I know. But... I would, it would be fresh and new to me, much in the same way that there's a lot of anime and a lot of what wrestling that I watch that no one else that I play with really knows, so it's always a new story to them, and I get to be like, ha ha, oh, yeah. well, this did was you, WrestleMania that, that one year. Did you play Mist or all that, Riven, etc.? Like, when uh, Cameron did Everfall, did you know what Duini was? Uh, I hadn't play, played Mist or Riven, Yeah, so. no idea. But yeah. then there's a bunch of stuff in my current game that I'm ripping straight from... A podcast that I listened to that no one else had listened to. Yeah, if I haven't listened to it, it's brand new to me. It's perfect. But one of the things that I... If you put Dungeons & Dragons, anime and wrestling side by side, in my mind, I see a lot of similarities. So one of the first things that they have is oftentimes ensemble casts with really outlandish characters. Mm -hmm. Um, And more often than not, they will take time throughout a season to address stories specific to each individual character. And there's a lot of long form storytelling that doesn't really happen in traditional media because the audience and the actors can really actively influence what happens on a moment to moment basis in the show. Like, or in like, whether it's anime or wrestling or D and D like if I, as a dungeon master give you an NPC named Jeremiah Werben Jaegerman Jensen, if everyone seems to like him, <laughs> guess what? He's getting on the cart and he's going yep. with you. <laughs> Everyone except one character. Everyone except one like character him. likes him because his father was number one. That was Smitty. Oh, jeez. Anyways, I hated him so much. Well, everyone else loved him. That's why I got on the cart and went with you guys. 
But that doesn't happen in traditional media. And like in video games, video games make get a comparison to D and D all the time. Um, the ones I have in my head were The Witcher. Like you can easily spend three hundred hours with Geralt. That's very long form. Mm-hmm. However, like Geralt has top billing the entire time. Mass Effect, you can spend like two hundred hours with Commander Shepard and really go attach to the team. But it's still a, it's basically a D and D party in space. Mm-hmm. However. You can't really change, decide, you know what, I want to fight for the Reapers or whatever. Like, there's yeah. a lot of things that you're sort of locked down a path in a way. Yeah. Um, and it's obviously a D&D party in space. Um, then there's other, like, Baldur's Gate is a straight-up D&D video game. It's a straight-up <laughs> licensed D&D game. It's fantastic. If you haven't played Baldur's Gate, you should. It's still good. It's still good, okay. Okay. Um, and a lot of video games still generally have to make concessions as to who the main character is. Obviously, yeah. anime still does that to a certain extent, because I mentioned Goblin Slayer. Goblin Slayer is the main character. Of Goblin Everyone Slayer. Everyone else is kind of, yeah, yeah of Goblin Slayer. It's fairly <laughs> obvious at that point. Um, like, however, one of the big things that I like is if, if we as an audience or players like a character, they will tend to show up more often. Yeah. Or if we hate a character, they're not showing up. If I had introduced Jeremiah Werben Jaegerman Jensen and everyone was like, I hate this guy, mm-hmm. I would have made it an option for you guys to kill him and take all of his stuff. Yeah. Or at least I would have made it more apparent that you guys would think of doing that. Yes. Um, there are many knives lying around him. So in anime, like a lot of anime starts as manga and is typically serialized, meaning like a regular release. Um, mm-hmm. One of the most popular ones that most of my other anime people out there will recognize is Shonen Jump. Um, shonen manga is typically targeted towards young adult males and teenagers. Um, if an audience likes a character or dislikes a character, like they can, like they will write in and the the author will hear feedback and be like, well, this guy didn't go over well, or mm-hmm. wow, they really, really like these people. And they can run for obscenely long periods of time. Um, Dragon Ball Z, everyone's heard of this. I don't need to explain mm-hmm. the phenomena, cultural phenomena that Dragon Ball Z is. So much so to the fact that if you grew up watching Dragon Ball Z and didn't like it, I don't know how trustworthy you are as a person. So, <laughs> it's a really long form anime. And there's also, one of my other favorites is Yu Yu Hakusho. There's over a hundred episodes. And it's one of the notable examples in my mind where two villains show up and their reception is so positive that the author turns them into heroes later. So the big ones are Kurama and Hiei. They start as villains, and then they get added to the main story. <laughs> and they're also characters with their own weird quirks. Hiei hates everything, and Kurama was basically a good guy in a bad guy position to start with. Wrong, Good guy, wrong place, wrong time sort of yeah. thing. And then get added in. And then there's other stuff like Berserk, also not a show to watch at work. Uh, but Berserk, like, the manga's been getting published for, like, the last 20 years. Like, he's been, like, the author's been, like, releasing a new chapter, like, every couple of months or every year or so, just depending on when he feels like releasing new ones. Yeah. Um, notably, side note, you probably don't need to watch any of the recent adaptations of Berserk. They're absolute dog shit. Okay. Um, the animation is horrible. <laughs> um, so... Then we dip into the more obscure idea of re- of professional wrestling. Wrestling, I've also heard described as redneck anime. Um, it's basically a super testosterone-charged male soap, ra- soap opera, and I love it. <laughs> so the other thing about wrestling is that same deal. Silly characters, long-form storytelling, audience yeah. can actively influence it. But one of the unique things about wrestling in particular is that the characters age in real time. I want you to guess... How long Monday Night Raw has been going on? Oh, geez. I I mean, 15 years? 26 years. Longer than we've been alive. Oh, wow. (laughs) And some of these characters have been around the entire time. If you want a really good example of this, you can go on YouTube, search Wrestling Isn't Wrestling by Max Landis, regardless of what your opinions on Landis is. Landis R is like a screenwriter, storyteller, person, whatever. It's a really fantastic dissection of the character Triple H. And I'm not going to go into it because eventually I have to go home. Yeah. But characters age in real time. And notably, like singles, there are, of course, singles wrestlers, singular characters that operate alone. And there are factions or wrestling stables, like groups that operate in teams. And some of them are like really, really solidly put together casts. Like one of my favorites 
And one of my older brother's favorites is The New Day, composed of Kofi Kingston, Biggie, and Xavier Woods. They're going to be the main thing I'm going to talk about in another <laughs> okay. minute or two. They're a huge deal. Then there's also lesser known teams, mostly because they were longer, longer ago, like the Nation of Domination. They had guys like Farouk, The Rock, J.C. Ice, Wolfie D. This is starting to sound like Volcor's crew. Yep. But Wolfie D., Owen Hart, D'Lo Brown, The Godfather, Crush, Savio Vega, Mark Henry, the strongest man in the world, and Ahmed <laughs> Johnson. Again, characters, you don't know what any of these people are about, nope. except for maybe The Rock, but they're all generally pretty silly. And then there's also DX, they just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Again, Triple H shows up again, Shawn Michaels, China, Badass Billy Gunn, Road Dog, X-Pac. They sound like... A really ridiculous D&D group. Yeah, they sound like a really ridiculous <laughs> D&D group. Like, they love they they love making dick jokes and oh, fighting yeah. against the power. And there was a period of time where they were in the Attitude Area where they got to be a little bit more R-rated. And then when they came back, they had to be more PG. Oh. And that's... It wasn't as entertaining, but they're still pretty good at what they do. And then there's other, other, team, other teams that sort of have basically a rotating cast of characters. Very similar to a West Marches game or a game where just people just die or leave all the time. Yeah. Um, get ready. This is a list. I'm ready. This is one of the most well-known factions in wrestling history today called Bullet Club. So. Okay. Deep breath. Audience, get your right. pens and papers <clears throat> out. Get ready to take notes. These are the current members of Bullet Club. Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, El Fantasmo, Gato, Hikulio. Jado, Jay White, Robbie Eagles, Taiji Ishimori, Tamatonga, Tangaloa, and Yujiro Takahashi. Past members include Adam Cole, AJ Styles, Bone Soldier, Cody Rhodes, Cody Hall, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, El Terrible, Frankie Kazarian, <laughs> Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, La Comandante, Marty Skrull, Matt and Nick Jackson, Prince DeVitt, aka Finn Balor in WWE, and Ray Bucanero. Now, here's the part-time members, and this is where it starts to get a little bit silly. I'm, it has Believe it, it or already? not. Oh, El Terrible? You, it gets worse. <laughs> or better, depending on how you look yeah. at it. Part-time includes Amber Gallows, Brandy Rhodes, Gino, Gambi, Gino Gambino, <laughs> J-E-double-F, J-A-double-R-E-double-T, Jeff Jarrett. You have to say it that way. It's really important. King Haku, Mephisto, and Stephen Amell. <laughs> like the green arrow Stephen Amell is in Bullet Club wow <laughs> but one of the things that's unique like in one of the things that they do that's unique in Bullet Club is that NJPW will tell a Bullet Club wrestler is like hey tweet out that so and so is getting at it to Bullet Club like as the faction because they Bullet Club is a part of NJPW, a Japanese wrestling promotion. So they'll literally tweet out. And it's one of those things like in wrestling specifically, Twitter is a huge deal nowadays as far as a wrestler's ability to get themselves over, which is wrestle talk for get popular with the audience, become mm -hmm. a well-liked character. So like if I was watching Game of Thrones, which over the past couple days has been a really big deal, mm -hmm. and let's say I'm uh, Kit Harrington, that's Jon Snow's character, right? That's his <laughs> actor. I, I imagine he's a big deal. I haven't seen Game of Thrones because I'm not willing to steal stuff from HBO because they worked hard to produce that. They deserve to be paid for their work. So if I'm Kit Harrington, I can't, like, when the, we film the show, we edit the show, it goes finishes up through production, then it goes out to broadcast. If I'm the Kit Harrington and I'm like, you know what, I want my character to get more scenes next episode, and I tweet something snarky about what happened this week, we're not going to go back, reopen production, and shoot more scenes to make Jon Snow a more important character. Yeah. But in wrestling, I can tweet something out and get over, and I can get my character more popular. That's entirely why Becky Lynch is the current double champ for Raw and Women's, the, the Raw uh, Women's Championship and the SmackDown Women's Championship. That's another story. We're not going to go into that, but we're going to talk <laughs> about how social media made Kofi Kingston the champion and also why it's a big deal. He did it mostly by performing better than expected. So in the moment, he did really well in the ring. So people are like, oh, wow, Kofi's got it. He's got it. He's doing everything right in the ring. 
social media. He has his friends, Xavier and Big E, that are fighting for him on social media. They're also merch juggernauts. I bought my older brother a New Day t-shirt for Christmas. Hmm. It works. He doesn't watch wrestling, but he knows who the New Day are, and he follows all of them on Twitter. And also, there's sometimes, there's politics backstage, but also sometimes sudden injuries force a change of plans. Yeah. So this is the Odyssey of Kofi Kingston. Okay. So, the Odyssey takes a long time. The Odyssey of Kofi Kingston also took a long time, because this is an 11-year-long story. Oh my god. Because Kofi Kingston starts working at the company 11 years ago, and of course, we know in wrestling, because they're played by real people, they, the characters age in real time. He grinds, he works, he doesn't complain, he does his job. Every single time an opportunity is put in front of him, he takes it. If he falls up, if he falls short, he doesn't complain. He just works until he gets the next one. And lead up to a couple months ago, another wrestler named Mustafa Ali was injured before Elimination Chamber. And Kofi gets put in at the last minute. So, I was really high on this because I love Mustafa Ali too. He gets injured, he can't compete, it's not safe for Adil Alam, the person who plays the character Mustafa Ali. Mm-hmm. So Kofi gets put in last minute, and he performs way beyond expectations. They do a gauntlet match to see who enters Elimination Chamber last. The plot of Elimination Chamber is that there are four pods at each corner of the ring, and every five minutes, a new wrestler enters oh the ring gosh. where there are two guys already fighting. If you get pinned or submitted, you get thrown out of the match. So it goes down until everyone is eliminated, down to two people, and last one standing gets the is the champion at that yeah. point there's a gauntlet match to see who can enter the chamber last and kofi goes above and beyond expectations he beats he beats almost everyone else leading up to almost get the coveted last entering spot before he gets pinned by randy orton and then randy orton goes on to lose against daniel bryan the current champ and then daniel gets his coveted last entrance into the into the chamber so he's in theory fresh and is that just like a situation where it's like everybody's fighting so you want to get in last so that you have the most strength yeah you have the most strength you have you've been doing the least amount of cardio leading up to the moment in a gauntlet match two people start when one person gets pinned a new person comes out and then another match starts and they just keep going until everyone has gone through okay so and this also shows there's also important character moments everyone else he's wrestled to this point is either like, there's some faces early on, but there's a point in which another character attacks Kofi after Kofi has pinned him. So he beats up Kofi, chokes him unconscious. Another wrestler, AJ Styles, comes out. He's the next person Kofi has to fight, and he helps get Samoa Joe out of the ring. AJ Styles is a good guy at the time. He doesn't want to fight Kofi right now because Kofi's just been beaten up. And Kofi stands up and he shouts at him, You fight me now! I've been doing this for 11 years! Fight me now! <laughs> and then the match continues. And... Kofi pins AJ, then all of a sudden Randy Orton shows up because he's the Viper, the Apex Predator, hits him with an RKO out of nowhere. That's another wrestling meme. You'll pick up on some of these eventually. (laughs) And so, but Kofi does way better than anyone else expects. So then, Xavier and Big E, they get their asses on Twitter. They start getting Kofi Mania trending. People want Kofi to get a shot at the title. Because he performs way beyond expectations at WrestleMania. Um, they keep selling shitloads of merch. And social media just keeps going. Everyone loves Kofi, including his opponents. Um, Mike Kanellis tweeted the fact that everyone in the audience wants Kofi to win the championship. Shows how good of a wrestler he is. The fact that everyone in the locker room wants Kofi to win the championship. Shows how good of a person he is. So mm-hmm. even his co-workers... That also want to win the title because even though it's all wrestling's all fake, it's arbitrarily decided, decided who gets the title. They're like Kofi deserves to be, like, get the recognition he deserves for his accomplishments and how yeah. much he gives to the company. And then they have another gauntlet match, and this is to establish that Vince McMahon is a dick who doesn't want Kofi to win. Vince also at one point he takes a he Kofi gets granted a title shot. At the at Fast Lane, which is another WWE pay per view, and then he last minute takes it away, gives it to another wrestler, mm-hmm. and Kofi's just kind of defeated at this point. He's and then he's just upset. He's like, "I want, I want a fair shot." And Vince is like, "Okay, if you can defeat these five competitors in a gauntlet match, you you can have a shot at WrestleMania." Yeah. So then Kofi goes out there, 
and he wrestles the Celtic warrior, Seamus. Everyone has a stupid name. This yes. is important. Then, the Swiss cyborg, Cesaro. Oh my gosh. Daniel Bryan's personal bodyguard, Eric Rowan. The destroyer, Samoa Joe. And the viper, the apex predator, Randy Orton. And he pins all of them. And I'm literally, I'm literally watching this via YouTube videos because I work late and I get home. I watch the videos and I'm like, ah, Kofi. And then last minute, Vince comes out and he's like, okay, 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 okay. You beat all five competitors. That good. That's good. But you got to beat one more guy. And everyone's like, this is bullshit. Yeah. And then Daniel Bryan comes out, the current champ. He comes out. He beats up Kofi, who's been wrestling for an hour at this point. And Kofi gets pinned, and he's defeated. He's like, I came up short again. I'm tired. I just want I want to do my kids proud, and I just keep going and keep going, and things turn up. I guess we'll just have to wait for another one. And then Biggie and Kofi are like, nah. Nah. We ain't, we ain't going to stand for this. So they go out the next week, and they these two go nuts on Twitter, because that's what they got to do. Because they Biggie and Xavier love Kofi in real life; they respect him more than anything. Kofi is one of the big things that help elevate their careers. They want to give back to their best friend. So then Vince comes out too, and he's like, "Okay, if you two can beat win a gauntlet match against a bunch of tag teams with Kofi banned from ringside, we'll consider giving him another shot at WrestleMania." And then Biggie and Xavier are like, let's do this. We'll, we will fight to the end for our best friend, which a lot of D&D characters will do mm-hmm. for other members of their party. Yep. And then they fight the club, Gallows and Anderson, Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. They don't have a fun tag team name yet. The bar comprised of Sheamus and Cesaro mentioned earlier. And then next people that come out are the Usos. The Usos... This is where long-form storytelling comes in. Because, like, two, three years ago at Hell in a Cell, the Usos wrestled the New Day and won. The Usos have beaten New Day several times. Mm -hmm. But they always put on absolute crazy, insane bangers of matches. Like, really, really good matches. And in character, in the storyline, in the fiction of wrestling, the Usos have said multiple times before that... They respect the New Day more than anyone else in the locker room because they've gone to war multiple times. Sometimes they win, sometimes they lose. And they mm-hmm. come out there and the Usos, they're Samoan. These are tough dudes. <laughs> if you're Samoan in professional wrestling, that's like a multiplier to your power level in Dragon Ball Z. Like, it's like it's <laughs> ridiculously how, ridiculous how strong Samoans are in professional wrestling. The Rock, Roman Reigns, the Usos, Rikishi, Umaga. Really, really strong, powerful people. And they come out and they grab microphones and they're like, everyone knows Kofi deserves a shot more than anyone else at that title. And they drop their mic. They say we forfeit. They drop their mics. They walk out. And I'm going oh. insane at my computer. <laughs> I'm going insane. I'm like, ah, long term storytelling. <laughs> and then Daniel Bryan and Rowan come out, and they're the last tag team. Before, like, they well, first they throw a hissy fit in the locker room and start destroying stuff, and then they That's come fun. out. Yeah, I know they got to establish that they're childish. And then the then they come out. They get pinned by Biggie and Kofi. Or no, Biggie and Xavier, rather. And, it re- and like, they... is one of those big things that, like, backstage, Kofi is in tears. Because his two best friends literally fought, like, every, basically every bad guy on the roster except the Usos. And, like, they earned him this shot that he was just almost given up on. And he goes to win at WrestleMania in a crazy match with his wife and his kids, like, front and center... Like, right at ringside watching from the audience. And he wins the title. And I literally start crying at my computer when it happens. Like, it was insane. It was a huge deal. And, like, I was literally cheering. I was cheering alone in my room. Like, I was watching (laughs) WrestleMania by myself. And I still, like, it was just one of those things that this is a big, long story. So... And same thing with happens a lot in anime too, where there's this big long story. Just look at like how long Jesus, One Piece and Fairy Tale have gone, Dragon Ball Z, I've mentioned those, but like also just the idea that I can take a thing that is like a really, really long form like type of entertainment and I can like grow up watching this entire show and like they'll keep releasing new bits of it. And yeah. like there's also there's plenty of other characters 
Um, WrestleMania, like Seth Rollins winning was a big deal for me. Becky Lynch winning was a big deal for me. Finn Balor winning was a big deal for me. Because over the course of several years since I started watching, like you get attached to these characters. Much in the same way when you're playing D&D, you get characters that you're really, really attached to. So, like, this is the next genius segue about, like, the types of characters I've played. And it's one of those things that, like, when you play characters a lot, you tend to get really, really attached to them. Yeah. One of the most famous characters that I played that, like, pretty much I can guarantee you. One of the other things that also, because I watch anime and wrestling, I tend to make really, really silly characters. Yeah. Or really, really outlandish characters. for that, for sure. Um, most everyone that I play with, like, aside from their characters, they tend to remind remember my characters the most after playing a game. I mm-hmm. think that's a fair thing to say. Um, one of the most famous examples was also, I think with sometimes with building characters, I think sometimes it's good to start with mechanics first. Sometimes it's good to start with your story concept first and then build and then find the mechanics to fit that and then build a, or build a story that fits your mechanics really well. Um, the first big character that I played was King Roland Anamin Melkorum. And if you've played Baldur's Gate 2... You know where Anamin comes from, and there was an obvious inspiration there. But it was he, Roland came about. He be, he started as the son of a shopkeeper and became the king of a country that he wasn't born in, by virtue of the like the story that unfolded afterwards and how long he went from like level one all the way to level twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, and he started because everyone was like, "We need a cleric. We yeah. gotta have a cleric." Which you don't need because 5e has short rests and bards and druids also have healing spells. And also damage will typically outpace healing in almost every circumstance to save for a couple. So, but everyone's like, so we're all, we need, we're cleric, cleric, cleric. We need the real, real bad. But like, I thought to myself, I don't want to make a cleric. Like, well, I guess I'll make a cleric. But I was like, well, gee, what can I do mechanically that's still interesting with that? Yeah. And eventually, Roland's thing was, even though he was, like, an absolute dog shit healer, because he was just, he had the most, he, I literally almost rolled the standard array for my stats, so he had the most middling stats ever. Meanwhile, everyone else has, like, at least 120 at level 1, because almost everyone else rolled an 18, and I'm over here with, like, a 15 with a plus one from being a human as getting my highest stat, getting me to 16. I'm like, I'm, I'm here too, guys. <laughs> I'm just, and I'm like, I'm average height, average build, all this stuff. And I'm like, well, gee, what can I do? Maybe I should just be smarter than everyone else. And then I took that to the extreme. What if I know I'm smarter than everyone else? And his thing was he became a knowledge domain cleric that had expertise in arcana and history. And he basically always rolled high on those when it really, really mattered. To the point where we just decided, Nathan just decided when he was GMing. Because we did a, it was rotating GMs. I DM'd, Nathan DM'd, uh, Cameron DM'd, some other people DM'd. Every once in a while, like, we each took turns so we could each play. Like, it was one of those things that Nathan was like, fuck it, you wrote a book about this once. And it was just like, cool. Or like, you, you transcribed a book about this once when you you were, when you were living and working in a monastery and like, awesome. And so he was just always the guy that knew everything. And eventually he just turned into a plot device where like, we would start a session and I'd be playing as Roland. And so I was like, oh, so Roland heard about a thing. And I'm like, I did. And it was just like, he just, it was, and also the fact that he always spoke in a traditionally heroic voice. So everyone would know that he's better than them. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was very much a thing where he he built he was built around the idea that he's outwardly and purposely very obnoxious because he has cr- a crippling fear of failure because heroes don't fail. And when he grew up, he read a lot of books about people that go on adventures and they never talk about the heroes failing. Yeah. He was like, I can't fail. And then it's to the point where everyone relies on his knowledge. So he has to be smart. Otherwise he can't fail. And even when he does fail, he needs everyone to think that he's in control. So he has to be obnoxious because he doesn't know social cues yet. Because when you're an adventurer, you probably miss out on a lot of etiquette classes growing up. So even though he... He's really, really smart. He's still really, really obnoxious. Yeah. He has high charisma by the virtue that he's traditionally handsome, but otherwise he's not a very nice person to talk to because he's going to belittle your intelligence because he assumes that's what he's supposed to do. Like, the only experience I think I have with Roland is didn't he go into the level 20 game? Yeah, we did one level 20 game, 
And I was real obnoxious in that because yeah. I could summon um, angels to come help yes, me. Yes, that's what that was. And a few other things. <laughs> and also, side note, clerics are great. When you get level 20, hit level 20 as a cleric in 5e, you can, well, when you're level 10, you get divine intervention, which is a percentage chance to succeed. But when you're level 20, you just call divine intervention and God shows up to help you. Yeah. It's always great. Um, Play a cleric, kids. One of my other favorite characters I've made is Simon Uriah Valentine, who is a Stars Without Number character. His entire thing was, <laughs> I had a narrative idea in my head, and he ended up being basically the same as Roland in so much Roland, they both wanted to be heroes, but obviously Simon's less obnoxious, and Simon's not nearly as intelligent. He knows he's of average intelligence at best, but mm -hmm. he's real strong. And he basically grew up watching action movies and was like, I want to do that. And he didn't realize film school was an option as a career. Yeah. <laughs> so he, and it's one of those things where I'm going to take his strength to the extreme. So much so to the point where I put every point I get when I level up to put into skill points, I save it for athletics. Mm -hmm. Or ex I believe the skill in stars of that number is exert. Yeah. And I, and I put all of my well feats for the lack of a better word, because I can't remember what they're called in stars. Um, into just being better like one there was a skill so now he rolls like at he rolls exert at like a plus four and he rolls 3d6 and drops the lowest one to get his skill rolls so he's basically looking like he's just ripping he's ripping doors off of spaceships and suplexing like the alien from aliens yep. or whatever like he's doing he's just so strong it doesn't matter and there's so many points where nathan's like yeah if you roll a 16 and then i roll a 17 or whatever yeah. he's like this is the worst You're game on the planet bullshit also, Simon is a good example of every character I have has to have something stupid about them. Mm -hmm. um, his initials make SUV because he hits like a car. Oh my god, That's I did not decided. know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, his middle name hasn't come up a whole lot yeah. either, so. Then there's also one of everyone's favorites is Hogan. Hogan is story and mechanics together because I'd been watching a lot of Critical Role, like I do. And I like Grog as a character, and Travis Willingham is my spirit animal by virtue of the fact that he also shares my first name. Yeah. Um, I had it first, even though he's older than me, so whatever. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> sure, I'll let you believe that. Yeah, I'll believe what I want. Um, and, I, like, eventually, like, when I was playing, the GM at the time, Camden, I rolled, my lowest number was a 7. He told me, he's like, I'll let you lower it, and if you put that in intelligence, I'll let you lower it to a 5. And I just said, done. I didn't even need to hear the rest of it. And he's like, well, I was also going to let you increase your constitution by 2. I'm like, D double done. Yeah. Extra down. And then I had five intelligence, which was fantastic. It was so much fun. And it was built on the idea that he is so unbelievably strong and stupid at the same time that he gets what he wants whenever he wants it, but he doesn't know why. He just assumes it's because he might be suave or cool or whatever, mm -hmm. but because he's has because he's a one man walking natural disaster risk, he gets what he wants whenever he wants. So much so most recent thing that happened mm -hmm. in a one-shot is that he became the lord of the first circle of hell, and he doesn't know that he's the lord of the first mm -hmm. circle of hell. If you let your characters be silly, especially if you play to negative stats, if you have low charisma, low intelligence, low wisdom, like whatever it is, like or low constitution, whatever it is, if you play to that, you can make a character a lot more interesting. If you have a character that's low constitution and you play that up to a certain extent of like being sickly or like you you trip a lot and you're just banged up all the time mm -hmm. like you're brute you're like you're a klutzy idiot and you trip a lot or whatever it is and you play up and you make it so your character is interesting because of their flaws even though you might have a negative constitution modifier the gm might want to not kill you because they like your character because your character produces better narrative um Side note, Hogan also loves peanut butter. Yeah. That's the driving force of his life. Was is it his pocket peanut butter or was it pocket bacon? Uh, maybe, <laughs> probably both. Probably pocket both. peanut butter bacon. Peanut butter bacon, yeah. <laughs> uh, he can't read he because he's so dumb. And it's just one of those things that's like he's literally had those moments where like just because I don't understand what that sign means doesn't mm -hmm. mean it's gonna, I'm going to let it stop me. Yeah. And also he's so dumb. That, like, he has very much the do as I say, yeah, like, with some of his mentors, he has the, the do as, they say, do as I say, but not as I do. And there's one instance is that his uncle, his surrogate uncle, Bill Ramsey, played by Nathan, he's a gunslinger, told him, Hogan, that you can't smoke because smoking's bad for you. And Hogan says, why are you smoking? And he's like, well, I'm the exception. So in Hogan's mind, only Uncle Bill can smoke. 
So whenever he sees anyone else smoking, with a pipe, cigars, whatever, he puts it out. But because he's enormous, no one no one stops him from mm-hmm. putting them out. <laughs> like he's one of those. Like he's just so dumb that he gets away with so much stuff, and because he's so strong, whenever his stupidity like is a problem, he's just like, well, whatever. I'll just I'll just hit this with an axe until it's no longer a problem. Yeah. So my, and he love he loves axes to the point where um, Brennan gave him a Vorpal greatsword, I think, or or just a really spent magical no, greatsword. It's it was Vorpal, and it did extra damage, but because it wasn't a great axe, Vodgan's like, I don't care. Yep. It's not an axe. I don't care. Um, and then the my last and most famous of all characters, I can hear Cameron giggling in the background, <laughs> uh, is very much concept first. And yeah. he is the illustrious officer, Deacon Vice. Who we have brought up before. The fashion cop. The ca- yes. fashion cop. So this is also where wrestling is, comes in. At the time, two characters named Tyler Breeze and Fandango. You have to pronounce it that way. It's okay. very important. Yeah. It was actually a thing where he wouldn't wrestle until someone pronounced his name correctly at WrestleMania. I love that. He picked a fight with Chris Jericho and won somehow. But then eventually those two get together and they start forming the Fashion Police. And they start having <laughs> segments called the Fashion Files where they parody normal popular primetime television shows. And I was like... I love this. They even had a segment where they arrested somebody for a fashion violation. I'm like, I'm definitely doing this. <laughs> and Cameron was sorry. I was like, yeah, I'm having a new game where you can play literally whatever I want, whatever you want. And he's like, you can play whatever I want. Whatever. Okay. He's like, play whatever you want. It's fine. And I'm like, can I be a fashion cop? And he's like, I don't see why not. And he's like, and he's like, okay. And we started building the, the concept up from there. He's like, well, what kind of authority do you want to have? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't want any authority. I'm a crazy person. (laughs) And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, the fashion police don't exist, but traumatic brain injuries do. (laughs) Or whatever it is, or like magical curses, whatever it is, like for whatever reason, Deacon, as a person, truly believes in his head that in his hometown, there is a headquarters for the fashion police that has sent him out to work his beat on this other side of the country to stop people from fashion violations so much so and like it was like well he needs to be a good like detective type guy so he's just really good at perception investigation like general like investigatory skills and Mm -hmm. stuff like that um and there was also one of like he had a great he had his way that he arrested people it was like, you have the right to remain stylish. Mm-hmm. Anything you wear can and will be seen in a mirror. You have the right to a fashion consultant so that you might be put together by your court date. You have the right to a Manny Petty because everyone deserves to be treated every once in a while, including dirtbags like you. So I'm not going to do the voice because it's really hard to do. Yeah. Um, but I also had a side note in my head that Deacon's a crazy person. Mm-hmm. So if anyone ever cast greater restoration on him, he would become a normal person. Oh, my God, that would have been so good. I kept that for a long time, and so much so that there was a, t- a point where I had inspiration, and I used it to get advantage on a roll that would give me an affliction that would be cured by greater restoration because I wanted to avoid it happening. And at the time, everyone's like, Travis, that's such an easy DC. Why are you using inspiration? I'm like, it's important, okay? Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then lo and behold, I had this plan. It was like right at the end, too. And one of the great things about him, like one of our friends that we play with, Brennan, um... He always puts together out-of-context quotes at the end of each game that we play. Of, yeah. like, things that were really hilarious without context and so on and so forth. Everyone knows what an out-of-context D&D quote is. Go on Reddit, literally anywhere on the internet, you'll mm-hmm. find some. And Deacon was typically, like, 75% of those. Yeah. Like, it, like, just because he wouldn't... He would be so hard to predict. Cameron would give me a thing in narrative... He was like, I think I know what he's going to do, and it would never be this. It would never be what he expected. Yeah, no, that's what he always like, told me was that he never knew. Never what, knew what was know. going to happen. But the thing is, you have this character that's so inherently obtuse and disruptive that the other thing is, I built him with an off switch. So one thing you might notice is that if Cameron ever mentioned anything resembling the like a level of put togetherness or well dress or whatever it is about a villain deacon wouldn't say anything yeah because they haven't violated the law mm-hmm. in air quotes yet 
So, like, there's all these big, important narrative moments that all he has to do it is, like, you see them walk out in a fashionable frock coat and the deacon doesn't say anything. It's a subtle detail that no one else pays attention for, but I'm listening for it. Yep. And that's, like, Travis, shut up. And I'm like, okay, I got this. And I just sit there and I silently wait until, like, the the ugly hench person shows up and then I draw my rapiers and I mm-hmm. go into battle. So... Like, that's the the grand silliness of characters that, like, I've really put together. Yeah. Um, I've made plenty of other characters that are fairly tame, that don't really make it to the... How long are we? Okay. Uh, They don't really make it to the end of the, like, any sort of game, just because sometimes campaigns die. You start a game, the GM gets busy, and you're like, well, we've only played three sessions. And I'm like, but my actually serious character didn't get to do the story beats I wanted. And I was like, oh, well, whatever. They weren't that interesting anyways. They weren't going to arrest somebody for wearing brown shoes with a black belt. Like, Mm -hmm. whatever. Like, it's not as interesting. Yeah, I think one of my favorite things about, like, you say you play a lot of silly characters, but, like, I remember very specific moments where, like, in Everfall with, with Vice. Like, you yeah. had a really, like, very serious, very, like, sweet moment with my character, who was a very serious character. Like, she wasn't joking ever at all about yeah. anything. And it, But I appreciate you as a player, because you are silly most of the time, but you also know <laughs> mostly when to shut it down. Yeah, like, it's, it's sort of, if you take any sort of improv class, or if you've just played enough, mm-hmm. like, D- imp- D&D is basically just... Like, being thrown into an improv class headfirst, in a way. Like, as far as you eventually just learn how to give and take and be willing to, like, step back out of the spotlight for some time. And Mm -hmm. also, like, like if if your character is like, I might never see my children again, and a deacon walks up and, like, children's fashion is so overrated. Yeah. That's, like, not the appropriate thing to say. (laughs) Like, that's going to ruin the moment, and deacon might be thrown off of the ship at that point. Yeah. Especially since they're airships. That's extra dangerous. <laughs> or, like, all these moments where, like, sometimes, like, everyone's waiting around and like, okay, well, who's going to kick this off? I'm like, I'll kick this off. I ain't afraid of anything. Yeah. I, and I also, like, I also jokingly said a couple of times that Cameron would never kill Deacon because... He's unpredictable. He's predictably unpredictable mm-hmm. in so much that he can be really, really silly. But the bottom line is that all he has to do is just like they're well dressed and Deacon will shut up. Yep. Versus people are like, what kind of other characters do you think you guys want to play? He asked us that once and I'm like, what other characters do we want nope. to play? Hmm? <laughs> and Randy the Savage is Macho already man. dead. <laughs> Randy the Savage, yeah, coming at you, going in with a nice tight great axe, maybe a great sword, whatever weapon I choose, yeah, it's gonna be named Miss Elizabeth because that's called a reference, kids, yeah, Macho Man, Randy the Savage, yeah, like I was, you just I, lost your whole neck, your I, whole neck just went away. Yeah, I know, like because there's a like. You can't, you can't tell because this is an audio format of entertainment. <laughs> but when you do a Macho Man impression, you gotta you gotta flex. You gotta bury your neck back <laughs> into your head like you're a turtle, and you gotta just go, yeah, yeah, Macho Man, bring me the savage coming in. I'm the cream of the crop of adventurers. Yeah, and I'm not gonna stop until there's no more undead. No more vampires in my world, yeah. Coming in because I'll go right in like a stick to the heart. Right in the same way that the lovely Miss Elizabeth penetrated my hard exterior into my soft heart. Bringing out the emotions of Macho Man, Randy the Savage, yeah. Like, Macho Man impressions. Like, there's so, like, when you build, like, I already, like, that's the next big character I want to play. I built this up. I practiced the impression. Mm-hmm. I drank a lot of water with honey and lemon in it in order to practice or to recover from practicing those impressions. But, like, I threatened him with that once. And then Deacon has never been in mortal danger since then. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, I can't do this. And I told my older brother about it once, and he's like, "Would you? Wait, what are the chances of Macho Man ever working in your campaigns? He's like, I'm killing Macho Man immediately. And I'm like, you can't kill the Macho Man. <laughs> Except he's no longer with us. But that's not besides the point. 
Macho Man lives on forever. Well, sorry for the uh, hard cut there, but that's going to do it for this episode of Unlikely Adventurers. Travis had a lot to say, which is good, but it was two episodes worth of stuff to say. So, huge thank you to Travis uh, for coming on the podcast and helping me out this week. Um, You know, unfortunately, he is going to try and take over the podcast. Becca, we need to come up with a strategy. But with all that aside, if you like this episode, if you want more information, if you want more Travis, let us know. Leave us a review. Uh, We are still giving away that one more set of dice. I don't know why no one loves it. It is very pretty. I will post pictures of it on social media. Um... If you leave us a review, just let us know. So message us on any of our social media and we will get those dice to you. Uh, And once that set of dice is gone, then we will start our fun, fun sex book giveaway. So if you want to learn how to have sex in Dungeons and Dragons or whatever RPG, you know, tickles your fancy, then leave us a review uh, and we will start the giveaway for Naughty and Dice, an adult gamer's guide to sex and games or something sorry tim and and christine i i i didn't mean it i'm tired if you couldn't tell um but on that note if you want to follow us on any of our social media please go ahead and follow us we are uh at unlikely underscore adventurers on instagram we are at unlikely podcast on twitter uh you can find us on facebook we are the unlikely adventurers quest group and then we also have a discord it's the unlikely adventures party squad the link is in our twitter um, I'd like to thank Josh Wildhorn for the use of his song, Leap of Faith. Uh, he, you can find him on SoundCloud, uh, soundcloud.com slash Josh Wildhorn. All of his music is very good. Please go listen to it. I forget if there's anything else that happens here. Let's see. Sex book giveaway. Good, good music boy. Social media. Share this episode. You love us. I hope. Um, but yeah, so we'll be back next week with the second half of Travis taking over the podcast. Uh, I apologize for the technical difficulties and the lateness in, uh, getting this released, recording on a Mac, and then trying to edit all of this and convert it onto my really old PC wasn't the smartest decision I've ever made. So I apologize. Won't happen again. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Okay. Love you all. Have fun adventuring. Be safe. Do good things. Bye. Bye.